How many of you have your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles, your devices, whatever you're using for the Word this morning. Yeah, yeah. I see some real Bibles. I see devices. I see it all. And now, if you're taking notes, get ready. Thank you, Lord. You can go to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to talk about the blood this morning. We sing about it. We talk about it. But I'm going to preach about it today. You know, I, I have behind me this shirt. And, and this shirt has sin written on it. It has failure, hurt, past, guilt, fear, shame, all of these things. And we oftentimes find ourselves wearing the shirt of sin, wearing the shirt of shame, that bondage is stuck around our neck. But I've got good news for you today. The blood of Jesus can still cleanse you clean. The blood of Jesus is still effective for sin. The blood of Jesus is still effective for your depression. The blood of Jesus is still effective for your healing. The blood of Jesus is still effective for your relationship. The blood of Jesus is still effective for your family. Come on now, somebody. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It still cleanses. It still heals. It still delivers. You know, a lot of churches don't like talking about the blood these days, but I'm, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to smear it all over you. I have a big old bucket up here. I, no, I'm not really going to smear it all over you, but we're going to talk about it. And I pray that today that it will be, as in essence, smeared all over you before you go, that you'll have an encounter today with the power that's in the blood. We sing the song, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. There's power, there's power, there's wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. We sing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I love it. Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There is a fountain filled with blood. Wrought from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The, the song continues The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God are safe to sin no more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank, come on, just thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was poured out for me on Calvary. Thank you, Jesus. I have redemption. I have been bought with a price. I've been set apart. I've been sanctified, no longer by the blood of bulls and goats, but by a perfect lamb, the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. Thank you, Jesus, that I have redemption. I have victory. Thank you, Lord, through the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Are you getting smeared yet? You might just get splashed if you get close enough. You just might get a splash of it on you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in where our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Anybody that was ungodly before Christ, before you received it into your life. Amen. Yeah, some ungodly stuff. It might look like some of the stuff up here. Some ungodly sins, some ungodly things. Ungodly. Yeah, that's... But for scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were still ungodly, while we were still carrying the weight and the guilt and the shame and the actions of our sin and our disobedience, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and I. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. I love that. We've been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath. His blood was poured out for you and I. It was a, it's an ancient fountain. We sang, you know, sang about that or talked about that song. There is a fountain filled with blood. It is an ancient fountain, but the blood is still new for you and I today. It's a fountain of blood that was shed 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary. And that blood that was poured out, the blood that was shed on the Via Dolorosa on the way to the cross, the blood that was shed at the the whipping post, that same blood is still powerful and effective for you and I today. That same blood is poured out for you. That blood has been poured out that I might receive his love that is being poured out. Romans 5, 5 tells us says because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Not only was his blood poured out, but his blood was poured out so that you and I could receive his love that is being poured out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, not so that we could spit on him, not so that we could continue on in our sin, not that we could continue on in finding how close we can get to the edge of sin before we fall off into the chasm again. No, his blood was poured out so that we could open up and receive his love that's being poured out. And the more of his love that you receive, the more your life is transformed. The more blood that you receive, the more love that you receive, the more transformation that happens in your life. He changes you from glory to glory. So he, his blood was poured out so that we could receive his love that was being poured out. You see, it was prior to his blood being shed, that love was contained. The demonstration of that love was contained to the holy of holies in a temple that was made up with rites and rituals that all foreshadowed the coming of Christ. But those who lived in that era and that day, all they saw was types and shadows. And they could never go into the presence of God on their own. It was always a a representative. There was always a, a representative that had to bring them in. It was called the high priest. And if the high priest hadn't done his job, 
The high priest wasn't in, in the place where he needed to be. It was deadly to go into the Holy of Holies. He had, you know, little jingle jingle bells on his, on his robe, and they'd pull him out by the rope attached to his foot and just pull him on out. Because he had sinned in the presence of the Lord. And now you and I have access. We have a representative, not an not a earthly human representative that is faulty with sin, but a perfect human representative who has nail scars in his hands and a spear scar still in his side. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father today, interceding on your behalf and mine. He's our heavenly mediator, Hebrews calls him. He's our heavenly mediator, our heavenly High priest, and he's representing you, and he's representing me before the Father, and we can come with boldness. Everybody say boldness. We can come with boldness before the throne today. The shedding of Christ's blood was a demonstration of his love for us. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, because of his expansive love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ. He made me alive. He had my name on his mind. When he died on that cross, he knew me, and he had a plan for my redemption. He had a plan for your redemption. Paul says in Ephesians, I want you to know the height, the depth, the breadth, the length. I want you to know the expansiveness of this love. Christ's death at Calvary was a demonstration of that love. It was because of that demonstration of his love that our relationship could be restored. It was because of that blood that our restoration with the Father, we could now have fellowship with the Father. Hebrews tells us that he's able... Let's read it. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He cleanses. We say it all the time. But he cleanses our conscience clean. The, the things in our life that separate us from God, the things that would attach themselves to us, the past, the failures, the hurts, the rejections, the sin, the shame that lurks deep in the shadows of your heart, the very things that attach themselves to us. Christ's blood cleanses our conscience clean. The things that would keep us out of his presence, the things that would tell us we're not worthy to enter in to the holy place, the things that we see when we try to get into his presence and they taunt and they torment us, these things, the blood cleanses us, cleanses our conscience, and with boldness we can come before the throne and say it's no longer this account. It's no longer this account, but it's the account of his righteousness that is applied to my life. It's the account of his blood that I've been justified, Romans tells us. I've been justified by his blood. I don't have this record of wrongs against me anymore, but I can come with boldness and my relationship with the Father has been restored. It's through this shedding of blood that we know his love. In 1 John 3.16, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. 
I know his love because I can see it demonstrated at Calvary. I start at Calvary. I start at Calvary and I see the demonstration of his love. And I move from Calvary to the tomb and I see the demonstration of his love in the tomb. And I move from the tomb to the upper room on the day of Pentecost and I can experience his love. No longer do I have to just stay at a cross where his blood was shed and say, oh, that looks so great. I wish I could have that. But because of the resurrection, I I can make it my own and I can move into the upper room and experience it every day of my life. Does anybody hear me this morning? You see, it just, thank God for the cross and his blood was shed at Calvary to erase all of this so that I could move over here to the tomb and see him in all of his glory, see him in his resurrected self, and then move into the upper room and say, Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Just like you poured out your blood on Calvary. You're pouring out the Holy Ghost on all who believe. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. There's more for you. You say, you're kind of getting wild, Pastor. I'm thankful for the blood. <laughs> By a new and living way, I have entrance in to the holy place behind the veil. By a new and living way, not old dead goat blood, but blood from a perfect lamb. I have access. I have access. Hallelujah. His blood was poured out that I could be justified. You and I were guilty. Guilty of sin, guilty as charged. The weight of our sin was upon us. The weight of our guilt was upon us. It was weighing down brick upon brick. Every sin was a brick added to the weight of the guilt that was against us. Every, every idle word that was spoken was another brick. Every, uh, every act of immorality was another brick. Every act of worldliness was another brick. Every lie was another brick. Every bit of pride was another brick. And the weight of the guilt and the shame was upon us. David said in Psalms 38, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. It was heavy against us. Everywhere we went, we carried it with us. But because of the blood, I said because of the blood, because of the blood, the guilt and the shame is no more. It's washed away in the blood of Calvary. The, the, the guilt and the weight of your shame, of your sin, is washed in the blood of Calvary and exists no more. The account of my sin was against me. David said in Psalms 130, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? Who could stand? Holy God, who could stand in your presence? The righteousness and holiness of God. My sin brought condemnation. It brought guilt. It brought shame. It separates us from the very presence of the Lord. Psalms 51, 3 and 5 says, For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and sin, my mother, conceived me. So always on me, always before me, everywhere I go, sin is haunting and tormenting. But through the blood, 
But through the blood, but through the blood, but through the blood, all of those things, all of those torments, all of those taunts, all of those fears are removed in the blood of Calvary. He declared me justified. I was guilty as charged, but he declared me by his blood. Oh, that fountain of blood. Every drop of blood that was shed at Calvary is crying out, justified, justified. Every blood that has dripped from Calvary's cross is declaring, it's crying, justified, justified, justified. Every drop that dripped down that wooden horse wretched cross. Every drop of blood that came out on those nails, every drop of blood that came from Christ's face is declaring out justified, justified, justified. Colossians tells us that he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. It was contrary to us. And he's taken out of the way, nailed it to the cross. He nailed the account, the requirements that were against you, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. They're, this account, this that you are carrying. Maybe some of you today are carrying some of these things. Maybe the weight of your past is tormenting you. Maybe there's something in your life today that's haunting you. Maybe you're worried about a family member living in disobedience and sin. Maybe there's something stirring on the inside of you today. The blood has not lost its power. 2,000 years later, it's still effective. It's still powerful. It's still set free. It still heals. It's still delivers. And the very same blood, that blood 2,000 years ago, when Christ died on that cross, he took the account, he took that account, and he nailed it to the cross for you and I. He made a public spectacle of it. He put it on display. He said, the very things that we're shameful of, the very things that we don't want anybody else to know, Do you hear me this morning? The very things that if somebody else knew, oh my goodness, what would they think? Hello this morning. He took those things. He took those things and he nailed it to a public cross so that you won't have to carry the shame of what if they know. He took those things and nailed it to the cross so that you don't have to walk in the guilt and the remorse over all of that mess. You're, you're clean. You're, you're justified. All of those things have been made spectacle of. Jesus took care of it in his death. Death and resurrection was the victory, but destroying the account against me was the demonstration. You see, he could could have died and resurrected, and that was a great victory. It was victory for me, but it wouldn't have been lived out until the account was nailed to the cross. If he didn't take the account of my sin, if he didn't take the account of what was against me, If it was just another death, it would have done no good. But he died, and he resurrected, and he died on a cross, nailing the account. The Bible says, taking the sin, my sin, my sin, your sin, your depravity, 
The things that you deserve to die for, he took on himself and nailed it to the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to be nailed to a cross for our sin. We might be nailed to a cross as a martyr, but we're not nailed to the cross as a means of justifying our sin. We're nailed in Christ. This life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. How does that verse start? I've been crucified with Christ. I can live because Christ died. I can live because he nailed the account that was against me to the cross. Psalms 103 says he has not dealt with us according to what our sins deserve. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. He's removed your sin. He's removed it. They don't touch east and west. Can't touch. It's constantly expanding and increasing. He's removed it so far that you can't even pull it up and remember it. (laughs) Hallelujah. I earned judgment. My sins earned death and judgment, but I received justification. I I earned death. The wages of my sin, the wages of my iniquity earned me death. But the gift of God, the free gift, the gift that cost Christ his life but absolutely free to me, the free gift of God was that I would be declared justified. You are guilty as charged, but I'm declaring you innocent. You are guilty as charged. The account that is against you is accurate, but I'm declaring you innocent. That's justification. And his blood was poured out that I could be saved from wrath. His blood was poured out. You know what? Before I get there, I want to read this verse. I I, want to jump back. In, in, In Romans 3, there's a really powerful word for this. And I, I, I just, my pastoral side's coming out here, and I don't want to skip this verse. This is a really good verse. Romans 3, and verse 23, says all, everybody say all. all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, though, says, being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation. Everybody say that, propitiation. We're going to have a dictionary experience this morning. Propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. And it goes on, but I want to zero in on that word, propitiation. We don't hear that word much these days. we've, We've, matter of fact, some translations even take out that word to make it easier to understand. But but I like it. I like that word. I, and you know what? I'm going to help you understand it. I'm going to give you a good, good Hebrew, or well, good Hebrew and Greek lesson this morning. Propitiation. It's the it's the same. It means it means to be atoned for. It's the atoning sacrifice. It's more it's more than just that I've been paid. My debt's been paid. But it's the actual sacrifice that made atonement for me. So it's, a, it's, a, it's saying Christ became my sacrifice. Christ became my atonement. He took my place. It's not just saying I've, I've casually, my debt's been casually been paid. 
You know, when you go to a restaurant and somebody pays your bill, that's nice. But, but this is more than just somebody paying your bill at a restaurant. This is somebody that made your food, served you, and paid your bill and walked you out the door. It was the whole package. That's what this is saying. It's the whole deal. That in Christ, in Jesus, God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. His blood became our atonement. Everything we needed for justification and righteousness. Now, keep with me. That same word in the Greek is the same reference in the Hebrew when they talked about the mercy seat. Now, those of you that understand your Old Testament history will appreciate this, but I'll help you along the way. The mercy seat was the covering of the Ark of the Covenant. What was the Ark of the Covenant for? It was the box that was to house or be the resting place of God on earth for his presence. It was in the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could go. And when the high priest would come into the Holy of Holies, he would take the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle with hyssop, he would sprinkle the mercy seat as a means of intercession for his sin that God could come and rest in the holy place on the mercy seat. That God would sit on the mercy seat because of the sacrifice and the blood that was sprinkled by the high priest on the mercy seat. Now what is being said here is that Jesus became, by his blood, gave us access to the mercy seat. So no longer do we have to rely on a high priest or the holy of holies. We can walk in By the blood of Jesus, it has once and for all been placed on the mercy seat. And right now, today, the the Bible says that Christ is seated, what? On the mercy seat. He's seated right now for you and I making intercession. That's what he's doing. He's seated in the place of mercy. Catch this. He's not always going to stay there. Right now, he's seated in the place of mercy, but there's a day where his seat's going to change, and he's going to take up the seat of judgment. Right now, he's seated in the place of mercy. Right now, he's seated on the mercy seat, but there's a day where judgment's coming, and he'll judge the unrighteous. The wrath of God is coming. That leads me into my third point. His blood was poured out that I might be spared from wrath, that I might be saved, that I might be delivered from wrath. The count of my sins, the record of your sins, is enough for the wrath of God to be against you. Romans 2, 4 and 5 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with the hardness and impenitent heart, You are storing up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath. In other words, the bowls of judgment of God are against you as you stay in a place of unrepentance. Every idle word, every sin, every every rejection of God's love, every rejection of his truth, every bit of worldliness, every bit of carnality, you are storing up judgment for the day of judgment. Your bucket, as it were, instead of blood, your bucket is storing up wrath for the day of wrath. What's in your bucket today? Are you storing up the are you storing up and overflowing with the worship of God because of the blood of Christ? Are you storing up wrath for the day of judgment? 
The account of Adam's sin was against you. If, it was, if, that, if that wasn't enough, if your sin wasn't enough, Adam's sin was against you. All the way back, all the way back to creation, you're carrying the guilt of humanity on your life. It, in Romans 5, it said, Just as one man, through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death, death spread to all men because of sin. So that, that sin... That sin nature and the account, it's not just the nature, it's the account too. The account of that sin is on your head. The iniquities, the Bible uses the word iniquities. Not just your transgressions, but the iniquities of your forefathers are upon you. And the account of that, if that wasn't, if your sin wasn't enough, you've got generation after generation after generation of sinfulness upon you. Pastor, this is real, encouraging this morning. I want you to know what you've been delivered from. I want you to know what you've been set free from. The blood of Christ, the sin that was against you. Generation, listen, you got generational issues in your family. Smile, look at your neighbor, so do they. Look around, but the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus cleanses your generational line. It doesn't have to continue. Alcoholism doesn't have to continue, baby. The sin, the fornication, the issues, it stops at the bloodline. It stops at the bloodline. No more can it go forward. I'm drawing a line, not in the sand, baby. I'm drawing it with blood. It ain't going forward. The blood delivers. The holiness of God demanded that justice would be brought against our sin. Those understanding the, the Old Testament all the way back, you can, go, you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and blood was shed for Adam and Eve's sin. God killed an animal and clothed Adam and Eve because of their sin and it has continued. That didn't take God by surprise before the foundations of the world. The Bible says that there was a plan of redemption for you and I. The blood of Christ was planned to be spilled before the foundation of the world. And it, it, the, the first demonstration of it we see in the garden. It was a shadow of things to come. And you see it continued through the Old Testament temple. You see it through, through the sacrifices. I'm telling you, the holiness of God demands, demands that, that, that repentance be made. That there must be justice brought against sin. In today's age, we look around and we see the carnality of man. We see the depravity of man. And I'm sure we've asked ourselves, everyone in the room probably, at some point, is when is God going to vindicate himself? I tell you, there's coming a day where God will seek the vindication of his name among the nations. And it's not going to be a pretty day. The Bible says that when that day comes, that the blood will flow in the streets up to the knees and the waist. There's coming a day where God will vindicate his name. If you are not covered by the blood in this day, in that day, your blood will be shed. Thank God for the blood. <laughs> Thank God for his mercy. Thank God that the justice of God towards my sin was dealt with at the cross. 
Who can stand, Nahum 1.6 says, who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his wrath and anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. Who can stand in that day? But I, I was spared. Romans 5 says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, wait for his son from heaven. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Just wait. Just be patient. Wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from wrath to come. He was wounded. He was wounded. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was wounded, Isaiah says, for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. I have been delivered because of his sacrifice. The sin, Jen, can you come help me? The, The sin that was upon me, the issues that you've been carrying, the sin. Can you just undo those, please? The sin... I want to hold this. The sin that you've been carrying, the weight, whatever it is that you're in here today with carrying, this, holding on to you, it's like clothes. The Bible tells me this, that he's taken off my my shame, my guilt, all of these things, and he's given me robes of righteousness. He's taken off my garments of mourning, and he's given me garments of praise. How does that happen? He cleanses me in his blood. He takes my life, and he puts me into the blood. He puts my life. I don't want to get too bloody here, Jen, so you can help me. That'd be great. Help me out. He takes my, there you go. Yeah, there we go. He takes my life, and he puts it in the blood. And all of a sudden, the the sin and the shame and the guilt and the anger that was against me, the offense that I was carrying, is no longer there. He's cleansed my life. Do you have the clips? Yeah, just stick it over there. I just want everybody to see the bloody mess. I just want everybody to see the bloody. The drip of his blood cleanses my conscience clean. His blood washes me. His blood removes the account that's against me. And I'm clean. Are you clean today? Have you been washed in the blood? Have you been to Calvary's cleansing flow? Have you been to the fountain that that is filled with blood? Have you tasted of the power of his blood today? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord, for the blood that was poured out for me. Thank you, Lord. You know, if there's things that are haunting you, tormenting you, the blood has not lost its power. There's things in your life today, like the account that was on this shirt, the sin, the depravity, the issues that were written against you, the blood can cleanse you 
The blood can cleanse your conscience. The blood can make you alive. The blood can redeem you, pull you out of your peace. You say, Pastor, I'm born again and I'm washed in the blood. Good, are you living there? Are you living there or is there things tormenting and taunting you? It's in the blood. It's in the power of his blood. Do those that you know, know about the blood? This blood was costly. It cost Christ his life. We have a story to tell. And the story is, look what the blood has done in my life. Look what the power of Calvary has done in me. Look what the power of the resurrection has done in me. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus, that on Calvary, the problem of sin, the hopelessness of sin, the effects of sin have been permanently forever dealt with. Permanently, forever, effectively dealt with at the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me clean, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How is it with your soul today? How is it with you and the Lord today? Has the blood of Jesus, the blood of Calvary been applied to your life? Are you forgiven? Are your sins forgiven? It's not by your works. It's not by just being a good person or moral person. There's more moral people today in hell than than you know. Morality doesn't get you into heaven. Being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. Going to church doesn't get you into heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one, no one, no one comes except through me. Buddha can't do it. Allah can't do it. Nobody else can do it. The only way into heaven is by Jesus Christ. That's not being narrow-minded. It's the truth. It's not being narrow-minded or closed-minded or unaccepting. It's the truth. It's the reality. Either the Bible is or it isn't. I believe it is, and that's what it tells me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How is it with your soul? If you're here this morning, you're watching online, if things aren't settled in your heart with the Lord, if you're not forgiven, Maybe once you've prayed a prayer, but today you're not walking where you should be. You're not walking with the Lord. Right now, I invite you in this room and online to just pray. Let's all pray together. And as we pray, I want you to just ask the Lord. It's very simple. Just ask him. Say, Lord, forgive me. It's really simple. It's just saying, Lord, forgive me. I need you. So let's all pray right now. You pray on your own. Jesus, I thank you for your love. Lord, I can surrender right now to you. Broken as I may be, a mess as I may be, Lord, I believe that you died for me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me, and I need you to forgive me, make me whole, make me a new creation. It's really that simple, friend. You just ask him. It's really that simple. It's the start of a journey with Christ. You say, is it really that easy? It really is that easy. It's all the religious laws and legalism that make you think it's harder. It's that easy. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, whether you're in online or you're here in person, you say, Pastor, I, I'm making a decision to follow Christ. Sometimes we need to make re-decisions to follow Christ. Sometimes we need to rebury things, right? Sometimes we need to make a public declaration again and again. Sometimes we need to do it for the first time. Maybe you're here, maybe you're online. 
watching for the first time, praying this prayer, saying, Lord, I need to follow Christ. I need to follow you. You need to get water baptized. That's not a religious rite. It's following Christ in obedience and saying, I'm surrendering. Just as Christ was buried in a tomb, I'm burying my old self in water. I'm I'm going under the water. I'm burying that old self, that old carnal nature, and I'm coming up declaring I am a new creation. I'm making a public spectacle of my sin, my past. I am a new creation in Christ. You need to get water baptized. If you're interested in water baptism, just tell one of our pastors. You can put it there online. We have water baptism all the time. We just did it a couple weeks ago, or last week even. I don't know. We just did it. And then secondly, you need to get into church, stay planted in church where people can encourage you and help you and walk with you. We have small groups starting the week after Easter. What a great place to get connected with the body of believers, a body within a body, a family within a family, in a small group where you can be encouraged and walk out your relationship with Christ. It's awesome. Get plugged in, get connected. That's how, that, that's how it works. That's the, that is the New Testament church. That how, that's how it works. It's not a program. It's not 12 steps. It's just saying, Lord, I surrender and get connected. Start serving. Find your place. It's that easy. Thank you, Lord.